right, guys? Psalm 51. Psalm 51. We're going we're gonna to walk through that same process together as we did last time that I had the privilege to lead you. You've got these charts. This is called the Say, Teach, Do chart. And we use this in, in India to teach pastors how to study the Bible and preach. And we used some of the tools that, that we taught every believer. As soon as someone comes to Christ and as soon as they begin to meet, we would teach them the sword method for Bible study. If you pretend you're holding the sword, it points up. That reminds us to ask the question, what did we learn about God? There was a sin. So what do we do in this Bible passage? What do we learn about sin? Is there a sin to confess or turn from or avoid? And then on the other side of the sword was example and command. Is there an example to follow or a command to obey? And I, that's what I use in my own personal quiet time. Just ask those questions to observe what this passage is teaching and then try to apply it. Well, the say, teach, do chart takes it a little bit step further. First, you say, okay, what is it? You see the sword. What does it say? God, man, sin, command, example. Fill that out. What does it say about God? What does it say about man? Is there a sin to avoid? Command to follow. Example to, uh, sorry, command to obey. Example to follow. And then you got, all right, now based on this, what do we teach? What's the main point? What's the sub points? And then after that, well, what do we do? Right? We don't study the Bible merely for information, but for transformation. James says, don't, merely, don't be merely hearers of the word, but be ye doers of the word. So, maturity isn't just a bunch of knowledge. It's practicing the knowledge that God's blessed us with, right? It's obeying what you know. So, here's what I want to do. Tonight, we're going to walk through this passage. And then we're going to come up with the main points. And then we're going to apply it. And we're going to ask God to help us to obey Him. And we're going to go out there and try to live spirit-filled lives. Um, I'll go ahead and give you the title. That's maybe cheating. But right up here where it says teach, on the very top line, I just wrote a title out. And I think in this story, in this, sorry, in this psalm, we see that repentance brings revival. Repentance brings revival. Now you know, probably know the story. And, and I hope you know this about the book, the book of Psalms. Up here where you see the big number for chapter 51, you'll see that little heading at the top that says, To the choir master, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. That's pretty graphic. This tells us, this is, that's actually inspired. This tells us the occasion of the psalm being written. You remember the story of David and Bathsheba? How David saw Bathsheba and did not turn from what he saw, but lusted and brought her to himself and committed adultery. And then how David tried to cover his tracks by bringing her husband back from the battle, thinking surely he's got a beautiful wife, he's going to go sleep with her. He didn't do it, so then he tries to get him drunk, thinking he'll go home for sure, and he doesn't do it. So then he has him basically murdered on the front lines. You know the story. Well, later, God has Nathan the prophet go to confront him risky business being a prophet I think sometimes and Nathan the prophet did it pretty shrewdly and David was convicted by God and upon David's conviction of his sin 
He writes Psalm 51, a prayer of repentance, a cry for grace and mercy and restoration. Now, if you're anything like me, you might be tempted to say, well, I'm not as bad as David. I'm not a murderer, an adulterer. If you say that, you hadn't been coming on Sunday mornings. <laughs> Brother Wade's been preaching through the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus pokes holes all in that way of thinking. But we don't we tend to think, man, your sin's worse than my sin. I'm not as bad as that guy over there. Like, man, I, surely I wouldn't have done all that. Don't forget that David was called a man after God's own heart. And don't forget that you and I are just as capable of gross sin. And don't forget, sin is sin. We like to have respectable sins that aren't so bad and look down on the sins that we don't struggle with. Sin is sin. So if you find yourself feeling far from God, if you find yourself controlled by sin, if you find yourself not having the joy of your salvation, if you find yourself under conviction, don't run from it. Run to God. When I was a new believer, sin in my life was so easily identified. I've been living my life in the ways of the world. And my temptations were, were very outwardly visible. And I remember a man telling me, I know all these temptations you're dealing with seem so hard. Right now, God's working on the external. Just wait, it gets even harder when he starts working on the internal. And he was right. But I remember feeling defeated so many times. And just thinking, man, it's too hard to be a Christian. I told you all last time, I tried to quit. I didn't know that God was faithful even when we're not. And my brother told me this, and it really stood out. He said, man, tell me about what's going on with you. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm constantly having these thoughts and these temptations and these desires. And, man, I'm constantly being drawn to this and that. And he said, but what are you doing? And I'm like, man, I'm just praying and I'm asking God to help me. And he said, brother, do you know there's a difference between temptation to sin and sin? If you're being tempted and you don't give in, that's not sin. And, man, that encouraged me tremendously. I mean, I was walking around feeling defeated, and half the time I wasn't even sinning. (laughs) I want to encourage you tonight. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to that conviction. Let Him guide you. Don't give in to the temptation. But when you do, I didn't say if. (laughs) When you do, I could probably say safely tonight. In the next five minutes when you do. Don't run from God's conviction. Run to it. My tendency was to avoid it. But what David did was embrace it. And he just agreed with God. Yes, I have sinned. I have blown it. And I'm fallen on your mercy to help me. All right? So let's read Psalm chapter 51. King David wrote, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love. According to the abundant mercy. Sorry, your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly 
from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Can you just picture the conviction that he had been under? The things that he had been trying to hide? He didn't think anybody knew about? Sometimes you're struggling with sin and you just don't want to deal with it because you don't want people to know about it. And man, when it just gets blown out there, it's just you can finally deal with it and move on. He's like, man, I've been wrestling with this. It's ever before me. Verse 4 says, Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. He's saying, I am guilty in your sight. And he's not minimizing his sin against Bathsheba or his sin against Uriah. He is saying, he's maximizing that those sins were ultimately against God. The holy God who is righteous and just to judge our sin. Verse 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. From birth we are sinners. Conception here. Verse 6. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. And you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Verse 8. Can you hear the desperation, y'all? Think about the, the emotion in this prayer. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice you feel that, that weight, that heaviness of sin? Man, I remember the night that I, that I came to Christ. And it just, it's like God just showed me. Man, there's a holy God that knows the depths of my wickedness. And I deserve His judgment. And He offers me grace and forgiveness. And I remember turning to Him and laying it down. And I do, I remember getting off the ground and just feeling lighter. It's like I, my sin had weighed me down. My iniquity, my guilt had crushed me. And I knew I was guilty. And then by faith I knew He took it away. And I just felt like I could just float. You know what I'm talking about? His bones were feeling broken and crushed. Verse 9. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out and renew a, a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. O God of my salvation. And my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. 
Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, in whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Let's pray real fast. God, we need your help to clearly understand and rightly divide your word. We pray for understanding. Holy Spirit, we pray that you illuminate your word, that you give us, show us what, what to apply, how to live this out, how to rest in you, how to trust you. God, if there's sin in our hearts, I pray in this study you expose it, that you'll give us the humility, the brokenness, the, a contrite heart to turn from it and to fall on your grace, that you would restore to us the joy of your salvation so that we would leave this place Lord, excited about you and, and, and resting in you and worshiping you with our mouths, with our actions, with our as we go and preach the gospel, God, help us to not serve you out of duty and out of out of out of religion, out of routine, but out of joy and by faith. Help us to, to worship you rightly. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so you got your chart. Let's look at verse 1, under God. What do we learn in verse 1 about God? What do you think? Merciful. Love. It's good. I put, and, I, and I'm reading a little bit into this, I put that God can be approached by sinners because of His love and His mercy. King David knows that he's, he's, he's just ruined. He's a sinner. But he knows he can come to God because of his love and his mercy. And aren't you glad that we have an approachable God? Man, if it were up to us, we'd be in so much trouble. What about verse 2? He's able to forgive us. He's able to cleanse us. Man, one of the things... We might be here a while, y'all. One of the things I love about, about the gospel, Jesus didn't only take our sin on himself and pay for our sin, but he gave us his righteousness. He cleansed us so that we can have a relationship with a holy God. He's able to cleanse us, forgive us, and cleanse us. That's so good. All right, what about verse 4? What do you see about God in verse 4? He's a judge. What else? He's holy. What about the very last part of verse 4? What's that? I didn't hear it. And I, you know what I see on the very end too? He sees. He sees our sin. He said, I've done what is evil in your sight. I tell you what, guys, I'm all about accountability partners. But you know the ultimate accountability. Man, God, you can't hide from God. You can't hide from God. Don't matter if you're under covers. It don't matter if you're under underwater. Don't matter if you're in outer space. He's there. You can't hide from God. It don't matter if you say it out loud. He knows. That's something right there. All right.
Amen. So, I've heard people say that God judges sin. He's just. That God sees our sin. What about verse 6? What do we see about God in verse 6? What's that? He delights in truth. Amen. And he teaches us wisdom. Man, y'all want wisdom? You know what I read in James earlier? If you lack wisdom, ask. By faith. And he'll give it to you. <laughs> I'll tell you a great place to find it. Wisdom is available. Crying out by the, by the wayside. Come and find me. He gives wisdom. What about verse 7? What's that? That's right. That's right. And the way I worded it, and this is my notes, I just put on there, He, he restores us. He restores us. That's so good, y'all. If we ever can get to a place of brokenness, all we got to do is call out to God. Verse 8. Uh, what, now, I lumped together kind of this theme that you see in verses 8 through 12. Let me read verses 8 through 12. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Um, what, I, what I put on there for just verses 8 through 12 is God's conviction is intended to bring brokenness, repentance, and restoration. Do y'all see that in those verses? God is, he's, he's initiating this brokenness for the sake of repentance and for restoration. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. It's good stuff, y'all. Um, something else I saw in verse 12. God gives joy to those that are right with Him. Their salvation. Who are excited about God's grace in their lives. Who aren't trying to do it in their own strength. They know they can't. Just thankful for God's salvation. His joy. I, I got a buddy. Y'all might know my buddy Slim. Man, every time I see him, he's just glowing. That 40 days of prayer and fasting, we finished that. And he's like, man, that ain't good enough. I got to have more. He's, he found another 40 days of prayer and fasting by Adrian Rogers. And he's been doing that. And he is like, I'm on 80 days. And I got to find me another one. He's just, I mean, so every morning he's sending me messages about God's goodness. There is joy in God's salvation. Amen. That's right. Y'all remember that song? world didn't give it. The world can't take it away. <laughs> Down in my heart. All right. What about what do we learn about God in verses 16 and 17? Might be a little tricky. 
Let me show you what I put. And, and I'm, I want to counter this with verse, um, eight, verse uh, 19 in just a minute. But God is not impressed with religion. We got people all over this world, some of them in Baptist churches. They're trying to impress God with their religion. God is not impressed with religion, but, by, but faith. What, what David says is it's, he's talking about true brokenness and repentance, that it's based on God's grace. And there's a difference. When we obey God by faith, there's a difference than when we try to impress Him by our, faith, by our acts, our works. All right, what about verses 18 and 19? What, what, what would you say we learn about God in verses 18 and 19? He does. I, you know, similar to that, um, Craig, I put, it's God's pleasure to bless His people. You know? I mean, but you know something else that I see in this? This counters that statement I said in verses 16 and 17 that God, uh, God's not impressed with religion but by faith, uh, by, but, but with faith. Verse 18 and 19 shows us that God does rejoice in our worship that is by faith. And it's funny because... Look at it, verse 16, it says, You will not delight in sacrifice, or I'd give it. You're not pleased with burnt offerings. But then in verse 19, it says, After you do these things, then will you delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar when it's right. Well, how is it right? When it's by faith. Abraham was justified by faith. We are justified by faith. Our actions, that when we serve God by faith, it does please Him. But when we're doing it in our own efforts, trying to pull ourselves up with our own bootstraps, that's not, that's not going to get it. Does that make sense? All right, let's look at man. All right, so from the very heading of this, I just wrote out, David had sinned with Bathsheba and was confronted by Nathan the prophet. This is his psalm of repentance. Okay, so I wrote that under man just to put it somewhere. That, that was part of the heading. Now, verse 1, what do we learn about man? Yeah, we need mercy. We, we, we need mercy. We, we're sinful. What about verse 2? What do we learn about verse Verse 2. <laughs> we need to be cleansed, don't we? Because we're sinful. All right, Dale, get ready. What do we learn about God in verse 4? Sorry, man, man, man. What did you say, Miss Kelly? We are wretched, sinful. <laughs> and our sin, is, our sin is against God, and it's in His sight. Let that sit on you for a minute. Sinful, sinful, wretched, sinful, and it's against God, and it's in His sight. There's no hiding. There's no hiding. There's no hiding. All right, what about, what else about, uh, about man in verse 4? What do we deserve? Don't we? What about verse, what about verse 8? What do we learn about man in verse 8? 
sir? Hey, Amen. That's good. Yours is yours is probably better than mine. <laughs> I put. I think they're. I probably have both. I also put that believers living in sin will be miserable. You know what? When there's unrepentant sin in our life, when when we're under God's conviction, why are we so stiff-necked? Why are we so reluctant just to own it and turn from it? I don't know. But we tend to try to suppress and ignore, kick against the goads. But we're going to be miserable if we're living in sin. I don't think that the most miserable person is the lost person living in sin. When I, matter of fact, when, before I was saved, I enjoyed sin a lot. didn't make me miserable at all. But man, the day I got saved, it started making me not happy. I, it didn't please me anymore. Does that make sense? Like, I, I would still do it because it's all I knew to do. But, but it, didn't, it didn't, didn't work anymore. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. All right. I'm going to give you another chunk. Verses 8 through 12. I put on there, we must go to God by faith for forgiveness and restoration. It's not with religious activity, but it's faith on His mercy, faith on His ability to cleanse and restore, faith in the gospel, the good news for forgiveness and restoration. The gospel not only saves, the gospel keeps. The gospel is not just for lost people. That's for those of us who believe every single day. Get up in the morning, look in the mirror, and preach the gospel to yourself. You are a sinful, 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 sinful. You need grace. Jesus provided your salvation. Rest in God. What about verse 13? What do we learn about man in verse 13? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I say it like this. When I'm living in sin, I'm going to be real slow to try to call you out of sin because I don't want you to flip it back on me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not very likely to hold you accountable if I'm doing what you're doing because I don't want it to be flipped around on me, right? But, but was somebody else, you going to say something? Craig? Isn't that good? I, my old buddy Larry Logan would always say, I, I ain't nobody special. I'm just one blind beggar who found a bread of life telling other people where they can find it. If God has truly worked in your life, and, and even as a believer under conviction, and, and He revives your heart, you know what you want to tell people about? How good God is. You know it? Think about that. There are times 
where I got to basically twist my arm because I know I need to share the gospel. Then there's times where you couldn't shut me up if you hit me with a two by four because I can't help but tell you about how good God is. You know the difference, right? I mean, when God does a mighty work of restoration, we want to tell people about it. Amen. And after that, it's his response to God again of saying, now because of what you've done, I'm going to tell other people, I'm going to share this. That's right. And then after that is God's response again of David acknowledging, when I have repented and I've turned and you've restored and I begin to show others this, then you come getting the getting rid of the ritual and replacing the relationship and then We're we're prone to 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 we're prone to ritual, <laughs> you know it. We're prone to try to do it in our own strength. But go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah, when we taste God's grace, you know, here's something along these lines. Sometimes you ever you ever pray for somebody to get saved and it just don't happen <clears throat> yet. Not not quick enough. And you start to doubt sometimes maybe subliminally the power of the gospel. Like, I don't know if I don't know if he's going to be. Able, if anybody would ever said that about anybody, they would have said it about me. I don't know if Otrey is ever going to be able to get right. And God saved me. I was running from him. I didn't want God. And he pursued me anyway and he saved me. It made me want to tell people, man. And it makes me remember, man, I know he can save people that are running from him. I know he can save people that are engrossed in sin. I know he can do it. I know he can do it. So that's good, y'all. All right, one more thing. <clears throat> Verses 15 through 19. 15 says, open my lips. And my mouth will declare your praise. He talks about not religion, but brokenness and a contrite heart that God will not despise. And then he says, do good to Zion. And verse 18, uh, in your good pleasure, build up the walls of Jerusalem. Verse 19, then you will delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. When we're made clean by God, we'll praise Him and serve Him gladly. And there's a difference between serving God for righteousness and from righteousness. And when He restores us, it makes us want to... Here's the, here's, here's the trick. You ready? Here's the key to Christianity. Fall in love with Jesus. The more you fall in love with Jesus, the more you're going to want to live for Him and the less you're going to want to live for yourself. Wow. Man, He's so beautiful. And he's so amazing. 
And he's so good. Get to know him. Get into that word and, and get to know your Savior. Get to know what he's like. Not just what you think he's like, but what does the Bible teach us about him? The more you love him, the more you're going to want to live for him. You'll gladly serve him. When you experience his grace, you're not doing it to, to earn anything or to pay him back. You just, you just want to serve him. Does that make sense? All right, do you see anything about sin? We've got to fast forward. We've got to go quickly. Yes, sir. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's what Jonathan was talking about, I think. Right. A little bit more. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Amen. Amen. I've noticed in my relationship with my family, if I am walking in my flesh, okay, I'm gonna say that's a sin. I'm not, maybe I'm not living in some gross rebellion or sinfulness, but neglecting just neglecting my relationship with the Lord, and I'm not. I'm overworking. I'm not overflowing. I'm not enjoying Jesus. I'm just walking in my flesh. That's when my, my wife and my children tend to feel unloved. But when I'm enjoying Jesus and walking in the Spirit and keeping in repentance, that's when they tend to feel loved. Does that make sense? Like It's like if our relationship with God is right, I mean like good, and that joy is there, and that praise is there, it's going to trickle down, like you're saying. It's going to affect, the sin's going to affect other people, and so will the blessings. <laughs> Amen. All right? If we're late, it's going to be Mr. Alvin's fault. <laughs> what do we see about sin in this passage? Amen. You got that right. Amen. I see three different Descriptions here, transgressions, iniquity, and, and sin, outright sin. When I think about sin, I think about falling short, uh, missing the mark, disobeying God. Think about all the ways that sin, it's, it's not just our actions. It's not even just our words. It's our thoughts and our intentions. It's our heart. And transgressions, you know, I think about trespassing. You know, I mean, breaking the law. Crossing the line, the boundaries that are there for good, by the way. This is a tangent, but Satan always tries to tempt us with these shiny little things other than God. 
Those things aren't going to satisfy. When we cross God's boundaries, those boundaries are there for our good. Iniquities, guiltiness, perversity, depravity. It's crime. Iniquity is committing a crime. It's not in secret. It's from the heart. Anything else y'all want to say or show us that you see for about sin in this passage? Come on. Amen. Isn't that good? Not in our own strength, right? All right. Do you see any examples to follow or any commands to obey in this passage? Remember the context. Yeah. Repent. Anything else? Confess. Confess our sins to God. Love 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to cleanse us and restore us from all unrighteousness. Confess. It's good, isn't it? Amen. Amen. Anything else? Accept it, right. Trust is mercy, right? This is where the faith comes in. When we confess and repent, that's not religious activity either. That's falling on His grace and mercy. Trust God's mercy for forgiveness and restoration. And, and, and like you said, Craig, receive God's forgiveness with joy and gladness. The people around you that, that have been exposed to your sin, they might even resent you a little bit. How are you going to act like that? And you say one little prayer, now you got joy. What? I'm over here mad at you still. Y'all ever deal with that? <laughs> That's getting a little bit too close to home, isn't it? Receive God's forgiveness with joy and gladness. Anything else? Tell others of this great and merciful God. Anything else? I got one more thing. Worship Him by faith. Not duty. Not religion. Not routine. Worship Him by faith. Faith in His grace. Faith in His restoration. Faith in His goodness. So, what to teach out of all of this? I got some main points for you. Again, the title, Repentance Brings Revival. I really believe that. And I'm not saying if you're in a dry spot that you're, you're, you're living in sin. Sometimes there's things that happen, but I think that if... If you'll allow God to search your heart and really desire Him to show you sin in your life and if you're willing to turn from it, it's going to be good for your walk with God. It's going to be good for your relationship with others. It's going to be good for the soul. So the main point, I think, is, is God restores those who turn to Him from sin. God restores those who turn to Him from sin. That's repentance and faith. Turning from sin to God. Under that, I put God's forgiveness and restoration are by grace through faith. 
This isn't, this isn't a prayer of, God, I know I messed up, but now I'm going to do all of these good things, and I'm asking you to look at these good things and not look at these bad things. This is, God, I blew it in your sight. I agree with you that I am wicked and fallen and sinful, sinful, sinful. My only hope is your grace and your mercy. And I believe that you can restore me. And if you will, man, I receive that grace and I worship you. So God's forgiveness and restoration are by grace through faith. And then the last thing I put on there was, when we are restored by God's grace, we will worship Him and proclaim His goodness. Truly restored. How can we not tell people how good God is? When we are restored by God's grace, we will worship Him and proclaim His goodness. So, based on all that, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? Well, I'd start with this. Repent of any sin that God has convicted you of and rely on grace. There are no respectable sins, even though we, we, we tend to justify our own. But if you have been convicted of sin, turn from it, repent, confess it, rely on God's grace. There's another one. I remember Brother Wade 1.0 saying this a lot too. Keep a short list of sins. What I mean is, don't wait till you get to, you, to, to, your, to your pillow at night to, to confess your sins. Man, when you're convicted, immediately conf confess that sin to God and return, turn from it. Immediately confess sin and repent when you're convicted. Immediately. I learned this as an early believer too. It's okay to say, you know what God, I, I, I blew it. Please forgive me and restore me. Help me not to do it again. Five minutes later, God, I did it again. Please forgive me, restore me. Help me not to do it again. Ten minutes later, God, I did it again. Please forgive me, help me, restore me. Help me not to do it again. Twenty minutes later, keep on turning from it. Keep on confessing it. Keep on repenting. Last thing, and, and of course, you can put anything in this blank that God's putting on your heart. Live in the grace and joy of God's forgiveness. Live in that. Worship Him out of that overflow. I'm telling you, it's not all about emotions. Sometimes emotions can mislead us. It's not all about feelings. It's not all about tears. Sunday morning, before we go out there and sing to God, ask Him to search your heart. Show you sin in your life. By grace through faith, confess that sin and turn from it. Receive His restoration and joy. And see if it don't make a difference when you sing His songs. Let's not serve God in our own strength. And let's not try to please Him or impress Him with religion. But let's turn to Him from our sin by faith. Receive His mercy and joy and restoration. And live for His glory by grace through faith. It's all about grace and faith.